Greetings Grapple fans and welcome once again to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something and our Meltzer 5 star project has now reached another um, brief pit stop shall we say as we reach the second and last match so far in 2020 for Dave Meltz to give the full 5 star rating so we're back uh, fully caught up except for a few um, backlog ones that we still can't find yet. Um... But yeah, it's myself, Lord Mullen, and with me as always is my co-host... Simon Cross. Who's currently struggling with the microphones by the sounds of it. Just a bit. Yeah. Just a bit. Simon, what was our second and final uh, Wrestle Kingdom match to get the full five stars? And also the second only event ever for Dave Meltzer to give two five-star ratings to, along with the NXT TakeOver from uh, April 2018. It is. Oh, he sounds more dulcet now. It is uh, the main event of night one as the sexy Kazuchika Okada defends his uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against the even sexier Kota Ibushi. It's a sexy off. The likes of we haven't seen since the ultimate pose down between Ravishing Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior at the 1989 Royal Rumble. (laughs) And Simon... I just want to ask you, who likes short shorts? Do 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 do. Okada likes short shorts. Well, do 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 do. Who likes short shorts? Do 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 do. Okada likes short shorts because he's gone the full other way now. Two years ago, he's debuting his flares, his bell bottoms. People didn't like it, and he's like, "Oh, you want some leg, do you?" How about all the legs in the world? <laughs> oh, look at the... Look how long they are. Look how elegant they are. legs. Ow! He knows how to use them. Yeah. He's well, that, that's... doing the Stacey Keebler entrance as well. <laughs> I've just got an image now of Vince yeah. sat at a desk in the middle of the ring as Kazuchika Okada drapes <laughs> his legs on him. Oh! Drop kick my heart. We're just going to let that marinate in your mind for I a guess second. He was That's trying it. to impress the guys, you know, because if you've got a Kotrabushi opposite you, you've got to be at your full, you know, a uh, thousand percent effort, you know? Nah, I think you go the other way. Well, you just go as homely as possible. Yeah. So you're going like Lindsay Lohan at the Halloween costume party at Mean Girls. You got yes. Dracula's Bride, whereas all the other ones have gone like Sexy Mouse. Or like, you know, Sexy Ebola Victim or whatever's <laughs> topical these days. Oh, do you reckon they'll, do you reckon um, if it's still in the news come November, no, um, October, there'll be uh, Sexy General Soleimani <laughs> costumes? <laughs> Uh, you wouldn't put it past him. I do remember, like, a comedian I like, a female comedian, uh, saying how ashamed she was when she saw the Iranian president from, like, ten or so years ago. 
you know, Ahmadinejad. Oh, yeah. And she was quite ashamed at how much she fancied him. I mean... As far as world leaders go, he was, uh, you know, he had a good beard. Well, yeah. well-maintained well beard and everything. Who do you think are among the... Se- well, have you seen the bloody... Um, the the uh, Finnish Oof. coalition governments? Yeah. Finns are bringing a strong game. Uh, I let that- them into my cabinet. There's that Croatian lady. I can't remember if she's prime minister or if she's just a senior member in government. She's she's a looker. Mm. Like I'm I'm sure some people will be like uh, putting hot Croatian politician into their Google history now. And of course, uh, ladies, hashtag me too, guys. Hashtag me too. Of course, ladies who uh, have always ta- already taken a liking to Justin Trudeau. Oh, uh, he's recently added a beard to the ensemble. Yep. Uh, it's, Not boot polish a, anymore, though. Yeah, so better, that's it's a better, yeah, it's a better addendum to his face than what he's done in the past. <laughs> you know? Oh, I like how we were both just in the same zone there. <laughs> it's brilliant. Ah, but, um, I think there's been sexy Vlad as well. If you're into like black belts in judo and well, shirtless yeah. men, it works. On, it's worked for the Americans anyway. Yeah? At uh, least one American anyway. Oof. But let us move on to. Japan, the land of uh, Abe Shinzo. I think I give him like a five. You know, middle of the road. Yeah, that's what uh, they want to be pronounced as now um, in like newspapers and everything. The Japanese would like because it, as we would understand it, it's Shinzo Abe, but it isn't. They want yeah, it to be Abe Shinzo. Yes, so, because it's the same with Korean names, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Bong Joon Ho or Joon Ho Bong or Bong Joon. I, I, it's some or like Banky Moon, another looker. Moon Banky, is it? Yeah. Or... No, no, I think it is Banky Moon. Um... Or is it Key Moon Bank? Answers on the postcard, please, listeners. Mm. <laughs> listeners, what is your sexiest Banky Moon moment? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell now the pressure's off. We're, we're bringing a different kind of vibe to this. Can't well, you? yeah, I mean. Weirdly, I don't have a lot to say on this match because it's like it's a very, very good match. And it's like they've pushed it up to the Wrestle Kingdom level of intensity and uh, high-risk moves and everything. But it is... The structure is becoming so commonplace now. And I didn't feel like there was an amazingly unique story being told outside of just, this is Okada's domain and Ibushi, it's just yet another level up that he has to do that... He doesn't quite reach this time. I you don't know. know. We, we, well, it's, it's similar to the Nakamura match as well. Like, he's overwhelmed at the start on the mats, but then he brings in his own arsenal and his own will, and it then it becomes a case of, does Okada's experience um, outmatch Ibushi's um, desire to finally win the big one? Um, I'd, I'd go a little bit beyond that. You've got a card having to reach deeper into his bag of tricks than yeah. typically. He breaks out, uh, what, red ink and heavy rain, um, which the commentators obviously highlight that he hasn't done in quite some time. You've got, uh, on the other side, you've got Kota Ibushi seem to be entering this Terminator-like state. Uh, there's various points yeah. in the match where he looks like that. You know that bit where Bart plays Truant in The Simpsons? Yeah. And... And um, he cuts the rope. He cuts the rope bridge. Everyone knows what I'm referring to. It's like some not giving up Japanese pop kicking guy. guy. Yeah. 
Basically, yeah. He like, like he, there, were, there were moments he just like glazes over, and I think he's it's the story of Kota trying to. He's found this like extra dark, not not darkness, but aggression within him, and it's mm. it. This story is him tr- trying to harness it accurately, yeah, and it doesn't really cool. cost him the match, but it costs him the love of the fans. I mean, the boos that rain down as Kota Ibushi like takes Okada to the woodshed with them right hands. I think it's more that Okada. It's weird. Like it seems like so often the story of Okada matches is that he will control at the start. And so his opponent realizes they have to just find another level or try to fight him at a higher frequency than they've got. And so it's like everyone always has to be at their best to beat Okada. And even if you do reach your best, it might not quite be enough. You know, like this may be very much like, even though it's not their first match against each other, it might be the first IWGP heavyweight championship match of a, of a trilogy that may end with Ibushi finally getting the big one. Because even though he doesn't win it, I think, you know, I would not be... I'd be surprised if he hasn't become IWGP Heavyweight Champion by the end of this year. Mm. If he Than if he's is going to have to... Or it might be the start of a longer story like Gato likes to do, where he will eventually win it. I think he wins it from someone other than Okada. I can see him beating Naito for it, although I dread to think what those two will do to each other. Oh, Christ. But then it will be like a case of until he's beaten Okada in a title match, he's not truly finished, gone past that final hurdle, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else you could put against him for it. You could maybe do another rematch of that G1 final with uh, him just battering Jay White again. Him and Jay White are now 1-1. In yep, the there you singles, go. Because they obviously had the rematch after uh, on January the fifth. Spoiler alert, guys. Well, I mean, come on. If, you if you've not watched it by now, I know I'm being facetious. Yeah. You. Um, but yeah, it's it's more like I don't want to say it's more of the same as if I'm complaining, but it is. You know, it, it, Okada does things that he does every time. He, he you know, he, he he takes it to the outside. It always seems that Okada has more control on the outside. Yeah, and that's always been the case. Like I said, it kind of goes back to the to the Ric Flair elements of his character that when he can, when he has to mix it up on the outside with a DDT off of the draping DDT, or when he boots later on, he boots Ibushi over the barrier and then does the flying crossbody. Uh, sprint across. Really, really good flying cross body as well. Like he, that, the sound it makes. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that was. I think someone hit something wrong or, or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, and, and it, it, there's less Okada cockiness actually in this match. It seems like mm. I guess maybe because he knows that Ibushi can beat him since they since he lost the the A block final of the G one climax. Yeah, so and he's already again, this, you know. He, he has the um, cockiness beaten out of him pretty early. I mean, like, yeah. one of Kota's first big moves is that chest kick, which, mm. oh, that, that that just, that hurt my ribcage. <laughs> it was just horrible, the sound. In a good way, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, mm. it just sounded like it absolutely took the life out of him. Maybe it's also he's kind of fearful of pissing off Ibushi too much because then Ibushi will just slap and kick him so hard <clears> he'll forget his name. Well, no, because wonder why he's wearing such short pants in a public space. You know? Yeah, but then he does try and like wind him up and like mm. tries to rise to him, and he's like encouraging the forearm exchanges. I think he he wants Abushi to sort of lose himself because that's how he thinks he'll win. Well, we've said so much of what Ibu- what um, Okada seems to be looking for in recent years is a right is more rivals. 
Yeah. Like, he wants to bring people up to his level so that he can feel like he uh, deserves his victories more. You know, like, his whole storyline with Sonata is like, are, are you going to make it worth me while beating you all the time? And <laughs> arguably, he did that at the G1 Climax, and that's a new uh, level of te- their relationship. How he behaves at the end of the uh, Tetsuya Naito match on, on night two. Yeah. Is all, you know, it's a fascinating glimpse. It's like, I guess it does, it is like, you know, I want to be wrestling, I'm the best in the world, but I want, like, the second best in the world to be the guy that I beat all the time. Mm. Like, you know, and and now that Omega's not there, and like I said, he never had any real contemporaries of his class, you know, it was just Yoshihashi and Captain New Japan. He's on more of a hunt <laughs> for them, and, and it is in figures like Coach Rabushi, you know. Now that he doesn't have Tanahashi, I guess he's looking for the Okada to his Tanahashi. Mm. Maybe Kenta as well going forward. Well, Kenta's an obviously a different one, but he did get the win on Kenta the first time they met, so he's got less to prove with Kenta at this yeah. point. But, like, you know, like, I guess you, with Kenta you've got the added, like, dickhead angle that Kenta could just like easily bring in and just like goad him or so ah, well, you know, they, will, they will meet I mean right now he's feuding with Taichi so there's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be time for him to face off against him, Kenta and for that to, who knows who knows mm. Kenta could be you know uh, uh, IWGB heavyweight and intercontinental champion himself in a couple of weeks time for all we know as recording. that'd be a bold bold move well, Kido can do that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, just... Like I said, it was more just um, Ibushi having to gradually rise to uh, the level that it's believable that he can beat Okada. And what and like you said, it's always funny when the, the different moves that reference different aspects of their lives and right at the end... Um, I mean, we'll do other stuff in between. Well, another sign... It's weirdly a sign of, of how important... A match is to Ibushi is what rope he jumps off when he does the golden triangle moonsaults. Oh, yeah. It's like if he goes off the second rope, it's just like a standard match. But if he goes off the top rope, he really wants to win this match. Does that mean in like a career-threatening match he'll get a ladder out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll, 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 he'll make the ring owner, owners construct a fourth rope. <laughs> Must go harder. <laughs> he'll wear stilts to the ring. <laughs> oh god he would wrestle in stilts if he could he would he? he would he'd wrestle of a Kotobushi death match would be a sight to behold oh don't give him ideas yeah well you just think Ibushi Moxley might happen and that'd be intriguing mm. I think Okada Moxley would be more interesting I'd like to like oh. I, the, he's there as like just this like plug and play guy, isn't he, Moxley? That's the thing. And it's, I mean, Moxley Suzuki. I'm just what my, my body is ready for that. Anyway, let's get back to this match. Um, so, drifted, drifted. But, just, everyone, nothing. Uh, actually, one move does go wrong in this match. Uh, when I was about to say it was a flawless match in far as execution, and there are some moves that are amazing, like when uh, Okada goes for a shotgun drop kick. And Ibushi sees it coming, and so just leaps up in the air and double stomps him on the chest. As oh, that that's move. a good one. The I thought you were going to refer to when he comes off the top rope and Ibushi catches him in the power bomb. That's another good one. Yeah, yeah. My favorite counter has to be the counter of the second Kamagoye. 
uh, where it kind of just springs into the air like an absolute gazelle. Well, they both they both have amazing counters to the other one's finisher because twice in the match, uh, Okada goes for a Rainmaker, the discus version and the traditional ripcord version. And in both instances, Ibushi just goes, no, I'm going to clothesline you. <laughs> <laughs> that lariat, the first but, one, Jesus. Well, I thought the one to the ripcord was amazing. Yeah. He just took it. It looked like he took his head off. Just sent him to the shadow realm. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, they both are just such amazing athletes. Mm. Um, Ibushi more flashy, but Okada more precise, maybe? Yeah. You know, Okada, like I said, Okada's like Misawa in that he never pushes his body further than it needs to go. Uh, he knows its limitations and what he can do is so good. that He's he like early Misawa it. then. Yeah. He's like pre-shark yeah. jump Misawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, even when Misawa was doing all those head drops, he was still just doing moves that he could do. What I'm trying to say is like yeah. Ibushi does like the backflip uh, head kick, uh, like the Pele kick. And ends up landing on his own head. Because oh, he doesn't get the height of the rotation. Yeah. Right, which Okada then has to kind of try and turn into a reversal. And like he's going for a tombstone. Mm. Um, he sort of does it. But Okada wouldn't do that. Yeah. Okada wouldn't do a move like that if he wasn't 100% sure he could pull it off. True. True. Uh, but I like the... Uh, it's weird with Ibushi. I like the edge he brings. You but... think you know him, Simon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to enter a wrestling quiz the uh, in a couple of weeks' time, and we're trying to figure out uh, what our team name could be. Oh, yeah. Last one I went to, there were three different teams out of the 13 that had Chris Benoit in their name. So. Oh. Uh, but I just want to go with a really lame little pun. So my favourite one at the moment is Edge and Quizdian. Yes. <laughs> but unfortunately, there might be more than two of us. Shining Quizard. So. That's not a bad one, but it's a bit obscure. Oh. But that is a good one. That is a good one. Uh, I won't, I'm trying to think of other ones that like might puns with trivia, but I can't quite figure out trivia or something or trivia. General Adnan knowledge. That's that's terrible. That's not bad actually. General Adnan knowledge. That is not a bad case. That is not a bad idea. <laughs> if you have any ideas, listeners, uh, we'll give you the contact details later on. You can email us some ideas. Yeah. The other one I had was Quiz and Morrison. Aye, uh, yep. Show quiz. Yeah. Yeah. Although some people might think that's a pun on showbiz more than anything. Well, the name was. Yeah, yeah it's but... an hard one. It's an hard one. Back to the match. Yeah. Um, I, I've sort of covered it already, and I, I really want to get your thought on like how it came across because it's the. First bit of the match I've sort of seen like put into a like a condensed clip uh where someone goes, Oh, you think wrestling is fake, do you? And then it's like just footage of Kota Ibushi's punches uh to Okada. What did you make of that whole bit? Like the whole the, the, the sort of uh the eyes of a killer sequence. Yeah, yeah, the sort of liquid terminator bit. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's like I like that it took a tombstone on the apron to essentially knock him out of that mindset yes yeah. um like i said i think it reminds me of the tanahashi match from the year before in the g1 final where he just keeps coming forward towards ibushi and it seems like ibushi has taken a page out of that book and i think he, incorpor- well, he definitely incorporated it against jay white um yeah. I, I i like it but it, it seems like a weird point in the match for him to do it and if it if he's able to channel such invulnerability why doesn't he keep it going you know 
And I think that I think that's on the, on the apron. But you know what I mean. If you can channel that, yeah, it'd be like the like Bray Wyatt channeling the fiend halfway through the match and then losing it again, and suddenly you can feel pain all over again. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? think yeah, yeah. I think in storyline terms, it's the fact that he can't quite fully channel it. That's the point. Well, that's why Okada wants him to like sort of go into that water. That's why um, like people talk about this edge to him, but. It it's dangerous for Ibushi because Ibushi goes. He gets reckless. He gets reckless. He gets like he drops the hands a bit too much, and that's why Okada can like get hold of him and try and put him in a wheelchair by tombstoning him on the apron. It's he's not fully aware of it yet. And I my little theory. I know we've gone back and forth. Um, I don't know if we've done it on the podcast or in one of the chats. It all blurs, but um. It, what we could end up with is Tanahashi sort of like guiding him and going, you're almost there, but you need to do, do this, this and this. And like sort of it's Tanahashi that pl- gets Ibushi to that promised land just by just... There's, just there's potentially that. I mean, the, the, the next the program they're in now is a, a tag team title match you would seem against uh, Juice Robinson and David Finlay. And I'm not sure who can believably get the fall on either of those two guys uh, on the on the champ side. Yeah. So um, you'd put your money on Tanahashi and Ibushi winning that, and then it's an interesting way you could you could do like a a, a Samatino Zabisco thing where um, uh, Ibushi ends up turning on Tanahashi, getting and maybe taking the, yeah taking the wrong advice. You mm. know? And Tanahashi would be all like, "You were the chosen one," and all that. But um, or it, you could do it with Tanahashi getting jealous. You could, you could. Uh, there's there's plenty of ways to go down with that. I think, like I said, this is especially this is, if this is, this is um, like like one of the reasons I didn't give their previous G1 climax match uh, five stars was because I thought they were saving a lot of it for this match. And I think bigger stuff happens in this match. It goes more epic. Um, but I also don't think this is the final chapter of this storyline either. Um, there will be other Okada Ibushi matches, very possibly in the G one in the Tokyo Dome as well. Mm-hmm. There's there, no, you're right. This is not the end of the story by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't know what they're f- like because you know because you could sort of sense that. Um, they were always trying to top themselves when Okada and Omega faced each other. And yeah. sort of get that here from a storyline perspective. I think this was like a story match more than it was a uh, let's see who can like how far we can like push the moves and like, you know. Uh, uh, well, I mean, they teased some stuff that they didn't end up doing. Like yeah. um, Ibushi doing a top rope tiger driver, mm. which is what he did to Kenny Omega in their G1 match. Uh, so maybe that's something they can do in a following match. But they did do some... I mean, they both take nasty uh, bumps off German suplexes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okada hits one on Ibushi that's really high angle, and that's mm. quite fr- like it's quite scary. You don't see how much like his shoulders and neck take of that, but it seems like pretty much all of it. And then later on, Ibushi does his... Over the rope. Insane trademark over the rope. Which was, because that was what he was trying to do when he was in killer Ibushi mode and Tanahashi, uh, sorry, and uh, Okada got him with the tombstone. Yeah. But then when Ibushi got back in control after that, he immediately, like, kicked Okada into the corner, into the, onto the apron so that he could do that move straight after. Yeah. And that bump looked every bit as nasty as the Tigers, as the Dragon Suplex 
off the top that yeah Okada like Okada. lands very high like yeah. to... Okada takes some scary scary bumps on his neck that make you worry that maybe he won't you know he's 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 treading like the next night uh they do my favorite move reverse <laughs> Rana and the bump that Na- Okada took on that was horrible absolutely yeah. horrible and that was a relatively safer one off the second rope it could have been but it seemed to go slightly wrong again just you know maybe she, less height to make the rotation uh, i don't know we talk we say rotation a lot we do um but let's uh let's continue on about uh this match um so yeah the finishing sequences come up with the with the around the 30 minute mark after Ibushi hits the, third, the the second rope um german suplex then he hits uh a corks uh, Okada hits a corkscrew tombstone, goes for the rainmaker. Ibushi instead, lar- and I put lariat in full caps at that point. <laughs> hits a bombaye that gets a one count because oh. Oh, Okada isn't going down to the tanner to the uh, to the, the his old chaos teammates move. So Ibushi hits a second one to the back of the head, and that gets a really long two counts. Um, it was interesting actually he broke the rule of that they kick out of the one count that means probably the second the next move they get hit with is going to be the end of the match mm-hmm. um, Ibushi hits a high kick to the head follows up with the Kamigoye that gets a really long two count uh, goes to Kamigoye again Okada turns it into a drop kick like you said just an insane especially because Okada doesn't usually do those drop kicks from such close quarters yeah. know, usually the, the opponent's sprinting out him from the ropes or something um. They, they, so then we get the classic. They're both out on their knees, forearm exchange up to <laughs> their feet. Okada hits a flurry. Ibushi hits a flurry. Hits a couple of hard head kicks. With Ibushi himself collapsing after he hit him with a few more kicks, suggesting just the exhaustion of both men. Mm. Um. Ibushi tries for a top rope uh, tiger driver, but o- Okada breaks it. Goes for the missile drop kick. Ibushi turns that into a powerbomb. Lovely powerbomb. Call Lovely back spot. to them doing that in the G1 final where it was just a regular drop kick. And of course, it was something that o- Omega had done before as well to Ibushi, uh, to Okada. Uh, so Okada goes for the... Uh, Ibushi goes for the Phoenix Splash. That misses. Uh, yeah. And Okada then, it's like this is his opening. Just like, you know... Um, and he gets in with a discus rainmaker. Then mm-hmm. a regular Rainmaker, Ripcord. That gets the long two counts. But he's, you know, he's he's not done yet. So it's like... So now it's like they both hit their finishers. So it is like a case of, okay, what's the next big one going to be? And Ibushi is still out of it. Okada pulls him up. Short Rainmaker. Pulls him up again. A second short Rainmaker. So he's hitting with three versions of the Rainmaker. Four versions of the Rainmaker at this point. In succession. Goes for the fifth and final ripcord rainmaker. Ibushi ducks, hits a head kick and a V trigger. So that's the moment where the crowd goes, okay, if this is if there's gonna be a finish, this is gonna be it. Tries for the Kamagoye, but instead of Okada's able to turn it into uh, the tombstone, but it's a sit-out tombstone pile driver. And that is enough for him to hit him with a rainmaker for the fifth time, and that gets the three counts. There's that light, little bit of spark of hope that they had at the end. Yeah, they they did that really really well. Like you you understand the language of a finishing sequence, 
And what Ibushi's doing there is a very believable finishing sequence to win mm. the title. It's like how Naito had that bit with the with the Destinos in the in the uh, 2018 um, Wrestle Kingdom, where like you can believe that the next Destino can hit and that will win the match. You know? Yeah. So it was very like that. Um, and like I said, the story is just Okada knows how to get it done in those big events. Uh, but on the mic afterwards, he does say that Kota gave him the fight of his life. Yeah, so yeah. he's he's there is, yeah. There's not like I said, he, he he's looking for rivals, and he knows he has one now in Ibushi. Mm. He knows he has someone that's pushing him to his limits. But obviously, the, with the V trigger as well, that's an obvious. The only real reference to Omega in the match throughout the whole thing. Yeah, this is uh, a nice little cute nod. It's a, yeah. I think that's the best way of doing it. You don't want to like ham it, but you don't want to ignore it because of obviously the the deep relationship Kota and him had. You can't, really. Well, you wonder if he will... Because obviously it was Ibushi in the past has told Omega to do the Phoenix Splash, and that's Mm. been his undoing at various points as well. And that's also the question, like, when Omega did it, he had Ibushi. Ibushi doesn't have Omega, but he does have now... Maybe when when Tanahashi's in his corner for an IWGP heavyweight title match. Maybe that's that's when he wins it. Just like how... When Tanahashi beats Ibushi in 2018, he had Shibata in his corner. Mm. That, that notion of like that extra level of moral support just know? gets you over the line. That bit, extra bit of coaching. Mm. I, I wonder. And, and okay, this is obviously like pure fantasy booking, but you know, I've, they've talked to this a little bit about the hidden door not being closed. Closed. Oh god, yeah. Okay. I kept trying to pull, can't pull you down from the ledge on this one. You know? <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I just wonder if there's like maybe a little nice moment where we do see Kota and Omega interact again. That that that's it all. I'm not. Like I'm not going to go. Like, for... At some point, we will see them on screen together in some place. Yeah. Even if that th- that place is a fan convention, you know, mm. they will meet again. I don't know where. I don't know when. Way... I know they'll meet again. Some sunny day. Well, I don't know how sunny it will be. Wait. Um, Nice little virulent reference. Mm-hmm. Um, ask, ask your grandparents. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give it five stars. Um, it wouldn't be one that would trouble my top ten. I don't no. know if it would be my top ten Okada matches. Okay. Uh, I um, Because, like I said, it was just more because I've seen this before. Yeah. I've seen it. This is a really good example of it. But I've seen it already, you know? I can't really expand on that. I am also giving this five stars. That's one of the reasons why I like the idea of John Moxley, because I think John Moxley will bring something out of Okada that's different, like how Shibata did. Okay, I can see where you're coming from. I can't see... Well, maybe Moxley will want to challenge himself, but I can't see it being logical for him to go 40 minutes, you know? Mm. So then they've got to change it up a bit. I mean, he could easily do 40 minutes, I reckon. Yeah, but that's not necessarily what's right for Moxley's style. True, of true. Although I think he went like forty with o- Omega, didn't he? And that was a bit of a yeah night match. Yeah, but that was a whole thing. Like that had like yeah. I don't know if Okada. Well, you know, you, like we said, Okada controls on the outside, so mm. maybe we should see Okada in a big old brawl. You know, this could be Okada's equivalent of when Triple H faced Cactus Jack in a street fight. You know. Or that, anyway, Rick Flair, or that Ric Flair Terry Funk match. Yeah, exactly. But let's talk about let's talk about this match instead of the hypothetical matches. 
Uh, are you giving it five stars? I am, yes, yes. Do you um, think it would trouble your top tens because of your recency bias? You must be itchy now that it's, thir- you know, it's two weeks in and you still haven't got a match from the 2020s in your top See, ten. I thought when I called myself on, out on it on the final debrief, I thought I'd have headed you off at the past, but clearly not. No, no, it doesn't trouble my top ten. Okay. Uh, if you want to get in touch with you about things that might be uh, in your interests and uh, re- I don't know. Oh, if people want to tell me about their sexiest Banky Moon moment, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free, free for the names, subnames within Banky Moon. How can people get in touch with you, Lorcan? They can get in touch with me on Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for um, annual, N for um, Nora the N in Banky Moon. Norovirus, which is what my friend claims he has at the moment. <clears throat> oh, bloody hell. It's one way of getting out of a meetup. <laughs> if people want to get in touch with the show, you can get in touch with us on lntyspod at gmail.com. lntyspod is also our Twitter handle. Uh, we don't know when we'll be next on. No, um, but we do know that you're able to get in t- hold of all of our content on Apple Podcast, on SoundCloud, and on Spotify. Because Lorcan's well good with computers. Yeah, our SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash Lorcan dash Mullen. Um, yeah. Uh, we will try to get our Stitcher thing updated if it's not done it sorted itself out already. If there are other means. Someone was saying about YouTube. I guess we could try and get on to that maybe um so long as you don't actually have to see our faces jesus no but it's just like just put the logo up i think apparently people like on i didn't i didn't realize that people like just youtube for podcasts because they can get into the discussions but my god (laughs) youtube comment section is that a world we want to venture into you think okada would be nervous entering john moxley's world my god (laughs) yeah 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 that could backfire horribly Or it could be brilliant. There's only one way to find out. I mean, when I was saying to you, Simon, when I sent you the the three big nights on the next New Japan tour, there are plenty of matches on there that could get a five-star rating from Meltz. The next NXT event in Portland will probably have some good stuff. When Worlds Collide has some very interesting lineups. So there's a decent chance we will have another there. Let me tell you something coming up on Tuesday in January or February. Uh, but, well, end of February, we've got AEW's latest pay-per-view. Yes, that well. too, of course, although that would have to happen in March. Um, but anyway, there's nothing left to say then, I think, at this point, other than my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-and-a-half-star time, as was this match. Until the next time.